I'm Brad Miner, Senior Editor of The Catholic Thing, and these are the TCT Podcasts. Today we're doing something different. I'm here with Robert Royal, TCT's Editor-in-Chief, to interview the interviewer, as it were, about a most remarkable man, St. John Henry Newman. Now, Bob, at The Catholic Thing today, that's Monday, November 27th, 2023, we published your column, Holiness Rather Than Peace, about Newman, the great English theologian and convert to Catholicism who died in 1890. So why Newman now? What can we learn from him 113 years later? Yeah, Brad, that's a very good question. I mean, normally we even wonder whether contemporary theologians are, have much to say to us. But there's something unusual about Newman in that he detected, I think, quite early on, um, from the time before even he became a Catholic in 1845, where certain things were heading in modern societies. Particularly, there was a development of a kind of a historical sense so that people really realized that there was a difference between the Catholic Church, say, in mid-19th century and mid-14th uh, century and the mid-5th century, say. And that led many people to believe that there were no fixed truths, that in fact the Church, like all other institutions, was just a product at a particular moment, and therefore you could not latch on to anything that perdured through time. But he did something that's quite interesting. While recognizing that, and even recognizing very early on before we had modern scripture scholarship, that there were even developments within how, how the, the scriptures were produced, that at the same time we could discern in the midst of those developments, those historical developments, an enduring core of truths that began at a certain level, but then became much more explicit as people began to reflect on. So I, I think that, you know, for all those reasons, you can even just look at the recent Synod on Synodality and you see that some of that, that very deep appreciation for what's going on was was present even in those uh, those days uh, when the bishops and others got together in Rome. Well, and, and in lieu of that, I, I mean, it, it, it behooves me to ask um, this vigorous defender of Catholic tradition, how might his life and work apply to what's going on in Rome? I'm referring, obviously, to the ongoing synod on synodality. Well, the interesting thing about Newman, I think for most readers, most of our viewers in the, these podcasts, is that he's a very, very flexible thinker. That at, at the same time that he's holding on to crucial truths, he kind of presents them in a way that you realize this is a very, very intelligent man. At, at age 22 or 23, he was appointed to a lectureship at Oriel College in Oxford, which was the very, then the, the premier academic institution in all of Oxford and all of England, for that matter. And so you, you get a, a sense from him of a, of a man who's reflecting in the way that it in your most intelligent and your most wise moments, you wish you were as knowledgeable and as as uh, as tempered as he is. And so I think that when you go to issues like, you know, what is papal authority? How far does it extend? He was worried, actually, about the definition of infallibility in the 19th century because he said there wasn't a problem about it. All Catholics agreed that the Holy Father had had a uh, authority over the church. 
and that by defining it, it actually created more problems than it was worth. And this, I think, goes to one of his his central themes, his themes of the development of doctrine, in, in which he, he kind of, in front of all the other principles, he puts forward the idea that no one answers a question until it's asked. Now, that may sound like an obvious thing, <laughs> but, but in theological terms, you're not surprised that you find later answers than you had at the beginning, because at the beginning, there's Jesus, there's his followers, they're the apostles, they're gathering together, they're worshiping him, they know that he, he redeemed them. But what does redeem mean? And what does it mean to be a redeemer? And so all those things begin to develop, and it's only natural that they should and that they even continue today. The question is, and he answered this very, very precisely, how do we discern a development from a corruption? And that, I think, is going to be something in the next year and, and beyond um, in relation to synodality and much more in the church that we're going to be have to look, have to look at very carefully. Well, that that brings to mind um, the head of the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith, Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez, and some statements he's made recently evoking Newman and development. And I wonder, is there anything in what Newman wrote in any of his thought that would suggest that we can credibly justify changing doctrine specifically about, say, something as fundamental as LGBT issues? Yeah, of that, of course, is the point. And one of the reasons why I wrote that column is uh, it, it's, it's been typical in the past, although in the, after Vatican II, Newman was used sort of as a progressive as well for a while. It's been typical in the past to look back at Newman and recognize that here was a man who intellectually engaged all the questions that were out there in his day and anticipated many that exist now. But he more naturally fits into to a, a more organic development, which, what uh, Benedict XVI called the, the hermeneutic of continuity, even when there, there are changes that are made. So the idea that the church could reverse, not just develop, but reverse a, a teaching on something like sexuality. And I would even say on something a, a little hazier about how certain people who've been divorced and remarried may be in you know, troubled situations. I think Newman, and, and I mentioned this in the column, Newman would have urged on us strictness. That if we believe in truth and we believe that God has communicated something to us and has established an authority in the church to assure us about what that truth is, we can discuss many things. And we can, we can come to, to a greater depth of appreciation. And then Cardinal Fernandez has actually used that phrase. But I think in his case, he's really hoping or at least signaling that something radically, uh, that's a radical reversal can take place. And I don't believe that Newman would have countenanced that for a moment. Yeah. So, so he would have been in favor of the hermeneutic of, of a continuity, but not the hermeneutic of rupture. Of rupture, exactly. Right. So he's a great guide for all of us. And you've recently announced um, a six-week online course in the Catholic Things Ongoing Courses series on the Catholic heart of St. John Henry Newman. Tell us about that. Yeah, let me start with the title about that. I, I deliberately took the term Catholic heart uh, because there are certain um, thinkers in the Catholic tradition who emphasize the heart more than they do the head which is not to say that they don't use their head. Obviously, I mentioned how brilliant 
the the even 20 year old uh, Cardinal Newman, later Cardinal Newman was, was. But there's a way in which certain people, and St. Augustine is another one. Um, there, there, there are people who really recognize that the human person is reached by and large, not simply by naked reason. Even St. Thomas Aquinas says most people, most people cannot do uh, technical theology. It requires training. You have to have the leisure. You have to have the, the, the inclination. You have to have the gifts to do it. And that's not, not how most of us come to a belief in God and a confidence about the church. We have what Newman called sort of converging probabilities. So we believe in God, and then we recognize that there is a, a voice of morality in the church. And then there is a, where does this come from? Well, there's an authority that, that, that does it. So I wanted to emphasize the heart, because he uses the phrase, cor ad cor loquitur, heart speaks to heart. And there's that famous um, quotation from him where he says, persons move us, voices move us. No man will, will um, uh, die upon, a, will be a martyr for a conclusion. Many men will die for a dogma. And I think that that's a dimension of him that, that really speaks to us in the modern world because so many of, of even our Catholics are poorly catechized, are poorly trained. I tried in the courses that we offered on St. Augustine to show how you can emphasize the heart, but at the same time bring the heart into a relationship with the head so that truth and love are really an expression of one thing, because God is both truth and love. Well, a Newman is a guide to putting our hearts in sync with God's heart. Well, that's all the time we have for uh, this particular podcast today. Um, and these are the Catholic Thing podcasts, which you can find at thecatholicthing.org under podcasts, unsurprisingly, and at our YouTube channel. As always, be sure to read and subscribe for free to our daily columns. I'm Brad Miner, and we'll see you next time.